Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the show. This is Missing the Point with Miles David, and I'm your host. Thank you for tuning back in. If this is your first time listening, like I always say, welcome. If you are a returning listener, then welcome on back. I appreciate you. And thank you for being a pointer. I might need to actually incorporate calling you guys pointers in the episodes. Wouldn't that be cute? No. Okay. (laughs) Today's episode is going to be a little different than the past couple. I'm going to be flying solo and it's going to be a quicker episode because I just have some updates that I want to give to you guys because I know in previous episodes I've teased that I may be going to the U.S. Open, the 2021 U.S. Open in New York City, Queens specifically. But I'm here to say that Plans are a go. I am going to be going to the U.S. Open for the first time in my life, and I am knocking off that off of my bucket list. So it's exciting. It's kind of surreal. I'm kind of nervous at the same time because we're still in this pantomime Pacific Ocean um, (laughs) pandemic. And, um, you know, I'm vaccinated and I'm going to be careful as I can. But the option presented itself and shout out to Brian. Brian is a dear friend of mine and actually was on the very, very first show that we did here at Missing the Point. So Brian and I are going to go and have a amazing time, fingers crossed, at uh, the U.S. Open. We're going to be there for the first two days. So that's the 30th and the 31st. And that's we're going to we're probably going to do the Monday night session and then a Tuesday day session. So if you are listening to this and you are going to the U.S. Open or you are in the New York area and you're a fan of the show and you're a fan of me and allow my voice to permeate your ears or your car speakers or whatever kind of medium you use to listen to this podcast, then come on out and let me know shoot me an email or a DM and say, you know, do you'd like to link up or see if we can meet at the tournament? That would be super fun. Um, so yeah, I guess wanted to say that to you guys. And also speaking of the very first episode, I wanted to say this while it's on my mind, the episode that I've been also teasing, that is going to be a celebratory two-part episode since the very first episode of Missing the Point that debuted on August 31st, 2020. If you can believe that, it's almost been a year. Like, I don't know how I've accomplished that. As I'm sitting here, (laughs) as I'm sitting here talking to you guys right now, I have no idea how I am still doing this thing called a podcast, but I am grateful to have people like you that are listening and tune in weekly or whenever I do drop episode, but I'm getting better at doing it weekly (laughs) and supporting the podcast and just genuinely being along for the ride. So I appreciate that. And in celebration of that, I'm going to be doing a special Q and a episode that I really want and would appreciate you guys's, um, engagement in all you have to do is email missingpointpod at gmail.com your questions and your questions can range from tennis related anything tennis related at all and i will most likely answer it on the podcast or they can be non-tennis related because i will be doing a part one with two of my good friends bubba and dj who you may remember from earlier episodes in the podcast show they were on the two part series I did about the fabulous dancing dolls and the Southern University human jukebox, as well as a bonus episode I did at the end of 2020. Um, I think I called it a chaotic wrap up or something like that. It, we wrapped up the year with a bunch of my close friends that live here in Louisiana. And those two guys that I talk to literally every day are going to be a part of this special episode. And I would love if you guys can access some fun questions so you can get to know me better. You can get to know how my dynamics are with my friends are a little bit better. It'll just be fun and a celebratory vibe for one year of missing the point with Miles David. And then the second half will be all things tennis. So you guys can kind of, ramble with me in my brain in my large vast tennis brain about what I like what I don't like what I would maybe want to improve or anything under the sun that you guys can ask me or want to ask me or or have considered asking me this is your chance in celebration of one year of you guys rocking with me for this podcast so um I think that takes care of this intro um Like I said, this episode is not going to be that long. I wanted to briefly give you guys some updates about what is going on live right now in tennis. We have some really, really good tennis going on. 
that I think is some of the best tennis that I've seen all year. Um, we are in the Cincinnati Western and Southern Open right now, and I'm going to take a quick break. And then when I come back, I actually, I think I'm going to do this part of the discussion on Instagram Live and then also incorporate it into the podcast so you guys can kind of see me and hear me live and in action. How does that sound? We're going to do that. Okay, so I'm going to take a quick break set up things to go Instagram live. And if you're listening to this via the podcast platform, then it'll be seamless. And that'll encourage you guys to, you know, go ahead and follow the Instagram page so you can be a part of that community as well. The Instagram page is at missing point pod. And the same handle is applied on Twitter, Facebook, and clubhouse. I haven't conquered TikTok yet, but maybe one day. <laughs> and I'm going to conquer YouTube slowly but surely. Trust me on that one. Missing the point with Miles David will be on the YouTube platform one day. But we got to get to that year mark. We got to, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. That's something that my mom and I always talk about. Speaking of my mom, just dropping a little, some nuggets here. Prepare yourself for a possible episode with me and Mama Miles David. <laughs> She's the one that named me. So I feel like at a certain point she had to be on this podcast and we're going to we're going to work on that. She might be a little apprehensive, but don't tell her that we're going to get on this episode. She's going to get on this episode. So I've done enough rambling. We're going to start talking about the results um, in Cincinnati after this break. OK, I'm going to get ready to go Instagram live. You guys tune in. We're just going to do a little bit of talking about what Missing the Point with Miles David, also known as Missing Point Pod, has in store for the next couple of weeks and days and all of that fun stuff. Hey, Matt, welcome on to the Instagram Live. Welcome, everybody, to the Instagram Live. I hope you guys are having a fantastic and fruitful Friday. Um, I feel like I am. I have my... I had to show it to you guys. I have my little frozen coffee joint here because I felt I woke up and I felt like I needed a boost. You know, you ever just wake up and feel like you needed a boost? And I don't think I've had coffee at all this week, so I deserve. <laughs> I definitely deserve. So I am here watching some good old tennis channel coverage of the Western and Southern Open in Cincinnati. And I'm also recording this live for my podcast. Just uh, a quick little session, not a long episode, just a brief one giving you guys updates about me going to the U.S. Open for the very first time. And I'm excited to be going there as a podcast host and a first time guest of the U.S. Open. Do they fan? I guess fan is a better word because I've been watching it for years and years and years. And now I'm actually going to be able to go. And I have like a podcast to come back and talk about it with you guys with. So, you know, fun. Oh, 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 breaking news. I think the quarterfinal between Kerber and Kavitova is over. I think Kavitova just retired. Yep, it looks like she retired and Angelique Kerber got the walk through to the semifinals where she'll be facing Ashley Barty who won her quarterfinal against Krychikova earlier today in Cincinnati so that's a little bit upsetting but I'm sure it, it didn't look like she was in too much distress um but I'm sure it was more of a preparing for the U.S. Open I kind of want to make a deep run and get all the ranking points and prize money I can so let's make sure that this little niggle I have or whatever kind of like pre-existing injury or something that she had um is fine before she goes to New York because the U.S. Open starts in 10 days and We'll get to that, but a lot of players are either revving up really hard for the U.S. Open, like the quarterfinals that remain in Cincinnati, or they have already pulled out and said that they're not playing the U.S. Open or anything in the remainder of the year. So it's either one extreme, it feels like right now, or the other. Either people are playing well, excuse me, either people are playing really well and <laughs> looking like potential champions or 
deep runs at the U.S. Open, or they're just pulling the plug altogether and like, "Mm -mm, I'm not playing. I can't do it. So (laughs) I can't blame the people that are pulling out because a lot of them, you know, let's get into it now, actually. So we've already, hey, Clinton. Hey, Angie. Hey, Gen C. Hey, guys. Welcome to the live. Glad you guys are here. Oh, let me read this comment really quickly. All the talk 2020. I would love that. Yeah, let's let's talk in the DMs. I, I'd love to be on the channel and talk about some some sports for sure. And a former Olympic athlete. That's that's awesome. That's really really awesome. So yeah, we can talk about that for sure. Hey Shio. Hey Clinton. <laughs> Shio, <laughs> you're a mess. Um, so let's get into the people that have already pulled the plug on the U.S. Open and subsequently the rest of the season. So um, I'm sure most people that follow tennis or maybe even sports in general have heard that Roger Federer has pulled the plug on the rest of his season to have another knee surgery, which, you know, um, he had already pulled out of Montreal and Cincinnati the tune-up events before the U.S. Open, so it's not like it's come out of complete nowhere. However, it's just not something that um, is positive. Like, he just turned 40. He's having another knee surgery. He obviously has a family at home. And in the video that he did on Instagram, it just, you know— it was he looked he looked as upbeat as somebody possibly could given the scenario, but he also looked like he was not um, 100% with the idea of possibly making a full fledged comeback, like playing a whole entire season on the tour next season. It's given I might show up at the Labor Cup, I might show up at Wimbledon 2022 and call it a wrap. And I mean, who could blame him with all the stuff that he's done on the court, the accomplishments, the the literal golden ticket awaiting him to get into the Hall of Fame. I don't see the need to push your body to a, a level of complete exhaustion and then risk the next 10, 20, 30 years that he has with his family. That could be lovely just so he could possibly get one more Grand Slam. I mean, I know, I, I know, obviously, to be at the level that he's at, you have to be competitive. But like Clinton is saying in the comments, is it even worth it at this point? I don't. I personally don't think it is. If I had accomplished all that he's accomplished and have what he has in the bank, it would be a wrap for me. I think the surgery he's having is like he kind of alluded to, just to keep a better quality of life. He said he's going to be on crutches for a little while, so that's never something you want to hear. But, you know, it's Roger Federer. He's been playing and been a pro for over 20 years, and at some point you have to put a cap on it because you can be a professional athlete all of your life. So that's um, sad but true. So we'll see. We'll keep an eye on Roger Federer. I mean, as much as we can, because he won't be playing for the rest of the year. <laughs> so there's not much to keep an eye on. <laughs> hey, Stacy. Hey, guys. Thanks for clicking in on the live. I appreciate it. Um, who else is not playing the U.S. Open? So about five hours ago, maybe a little bit more than that, Rafa, I was going to say, I was combining Roger and Rafa's name. Rafael Nadal pulled out of the U.S. Open after, again, pulling out of his matches in, he, he withdrew from Montreal before his first round match, and he also withdrew um excuse me not Montreal he withdrew from his match in Toronto because the men were in Toronto this year and he withdrew from the tournament together all together in Cincinnati so he got on Instagram which is the medium to tell people that you're not going to be playing anymore I guess this is the world we live in you know press releases and Instagram lives are how you communicate to the masses if you have a large following like Rafael Nadal and Roger Federer do but he cited his foot problems that he has had um, on and off going all the way back to 2005. I know he plays, or, you know, word on the curb in, in the tennis streets is that he plays with a specific orthopedic insert in his foot to alleviate some of the problems that he has with his foot. Um, but apparently the past year in his video, it has not been um, a really tolerable pain. So he's pulling out of the U.S. Open and the rest of the season so he can heal up and potentially get at it again in 2022. And I kind of feel the same way about Rafa as I do with Roger. I know they have um, a little bit more of an age gap. I think Rafa just turned 35 this past year. And, you know, tennis players are playing 
at that age right now, but Rafael Nadal plays such a physical game, and there were already questions earlier in his career about how long he would be able to last. And again, the, the question of, is it worth it? Can you really put your thing down, flip it, and reverse it <laughs> at this point in your tennis career when there are eight to ten guys at your heels waiting to be Grand Slam champions and they're coming for you and you are struggling with a foot injury at, you know, the point of your career where there's more behind you than in front of you. And it's not easy and not fun. And I'm not necessarily trying to push anybody out of the game because it's going to be a sad day when um, Roger and Rafa retire. But ultimately, it's the reality of it. It's a sad reality. And he looks like he is closer to the exit door than the um, entrance door. So, you know, that's just the... That's just the word on the curb and the, the current status of two of the great legends of the sport, Rafa and Roger. And then also, just to give one one more piece of bad news, uh, defending champion, 2020 U.S. Open champion Dominic Team released another statement on Instagram that he will be pulling out of the U.S. Open and the remainder of the 2021 season as well because of his ongoing wrist issue that he suffered in the pre-Wimbledon tournament in Mallorca, Spain. And a wrist injury, if you follow tennis, is something that is really hard to gauge where you are because you're constantly using it. Um, and he uses a one-handed backhand, so he definitely uses his wrist. So, um that's not a good thing and I really feel bad for him because the US Open in 2020 was his first Grand Slam trophy lift the first of his career so everybody kind of wants to go back where they had that kind of success and be able to defend their trophy and he's he's not going to do that but I get it his he isn't in the same boat as a Roger or Rafa are quite yet because I think he's only 27 28 um, or about to be 28 um, and he know he all intents and purposes if he gets healthy and he rehabs that wrist he can play on the tour for a couple of more years so I think this is much more preventative than it is in the case of like Roger Rafa where it kind of feels like a penultimate pre-retirement move you know I think he just wants to be able to actually compete and not keep having losses that he's had this season because he's had a couple of questionable losses he lost in the first round of Roland Garros and he's made the finals of that tournament twice in his career so you know his his season after winning a Grand Slam in 2020 and having a great 2020 all things considered even with the gap of the COVID shutdown he had a great year 2021 hasn't been great and I didn't want to like a, I didn't want to call his season awful before this but you know a spade a spade he has not had a good season a lot of it has to do with injury and maybe some expectations of being a grand slam champion and people expecting you y'all know how the tennis world works if you win something big everybody wants to see if you can do it again and again and again and again and that kind of creates pressure and most of that pressure comes from the player themselves and sometimes it's hard to deal with that and you know perform at the same time or perform past it so I feel for the guy he's in my age bracket I know you know he's not old but I'm sure he isn't um bouncing back from injuries the same way he was when he was 21 as he is now at 27 28 that's just the way the body works but I do think he can come back and be a factor especially the way his game works well when it's working well on clay if you factor in the fact that Rafael Nadal may not be up to 100% in the field at next year's Roland Garros and then you put a healthy Dominic team you know there's still Novak Djokovic in the mix who hasn't played since Tokyo but um Dominic team assuming that he has a good offseason and can heal his wrist somebody you got to look at as potentially winning another grand slam in the next season if he gets his, his stuff together so I think he will fingers crossed that he will so um those of you that are just joining the live, I said this before, and I'm recording. If you can't see my mic, I'm recording for the podcast. I'm going to the U.S. Open. I'm going from the – I'll be in New York from the 28th to the 1st, and I'll probably be going – um, to the Monday opening night session and then also the Tuesday day session. And fingers crossed, everybody, fingers crossed that those first two days are full of some intriguing first 
opening round matchups. Um, they, they probably will be. I'm going to be excited because I'm a first-time goer of the U.S. Open in general, so I'm going to be excited. So hopefully I get to see some of you guys there, or, you know, if not, just send me a virtual good luck and have fun. <laughs> Stacy, 828 is my birthday. Oh, awesome. Does that make, is 828 a Virgo? Or is that still Leo season? I feel like it's Virgo because it's late in August. I feel like that's Virgo. So shout out to Stacy. Stacy is super supportive of the podcast and our rooms on Clubhouse. Hey, Stacy. Clinton says, I'd love to see a team versus Sissy Pass RG final. Roland Garros. Yes. Yes. I would not mind seeing that. You know, speaking of Sissy Pass, let's get into Cincinnati 2021 as it's happening now. So um, I mentioned that Angelique Kerber and Petra Kvitova's matchup in the quarterfinals got a little, well, not a little, a lot delayed because Kvitova retired. And I was interested to see that matchup in its entirety because it's a classic lefty rivalry. They both know each other's games pretty well. Um, so it's kind of upsetting to see Kvitova go out the way she did. But I think she'll be fine. It's not like she walked off the court in crutches or on a wheelchair. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. Um, and then another matchup that's actually on, on television right now is, excuse me, the coffee is making me, um, is gassy the right word? No. <laughs> it's not gassy. I feel like I have to, you know, you know, whatever. Um, on the television right now is Benoit Pair versus Andre Rublev. And they're playing a much more interesting match than I thought they would. Just because, I mean, I, I think I speak for a certain subset of people when they see Benoit Pair's name, especially this season. The last thing they think about is effort. And it seems like he's putting towards this match a lot of effort. And as I say that, Andre Rublev pulls up an ace, and now he has match point 5-3 in the third set. But the fact that the match even went three sets was something I wasn't expecting because Andre Rublev likes this time of the year. Um, he's had some good results in Cincinnati, and there he goes. He closes out the match with the ace, and now he's a semifinalist in Cincinnati. So Andre Rublev will play the winner of... Pablo Carino Busta and Daniel Medvedev and that match is interesting because it's a rematch of their battle they just had in the Olympics in Tokyo and Medvedev is undoubtedly the more accomplished hardcourt player but PCB is having one of the best stretches of his career if you really look at it he won the bronze medal in Tokyo in singles he beat Djokovic in their bronze medal match which is probably going to be one of the wins of his life and also he won one of the biggest ATP tournaments of his career he won the ATP 500 tournament post Wimbledon on clay in Hamburg so he's been having a really really good summer so I'm interested to see how that matchup goes between Medvedev and PCB especially considering how good Medvedev has looked he just won the Masters title in Toronto and PCB just beat him a couple of weeks ago in Tokyo so that should be an interesting matchup so I'm, my, my eyes are on that one and then going back to Tsitsipas Tsitsipas good yeah I definitely want to see a Tsitsipas versus um team Roland Garros final but tonight in Cincinnati, Sitsipas plays Felix Auger Aliassime, which I feel like could be a budding next gen rivalry of the future. I think both of them play very aggressive styles of games and they're in like you know very similar age brackets I'm, I'm I think that they're getting familiar with each other's games and just the matchup on paper for me, it, it, it brings it, it, it brings excitement to the game. And, you know, I want to see them keep playing and I want to see both of them, both of them healthy. Yeah, Clinton, the rivalry is there. This is actually their seventh time uh, going head to head and Sissipas leads the head to head matchup 4-2. I'm pretty sure he's won the last four. So Felix could definitely be due for a win. And to be honest, Felix has not had a terrible season. He keeps like the moniker of that 0-8 finals record keeps looming over his head so people are waiting for him to have a very significant breakthrough that results in him lifting the champions trophy not the runners up um so i mean if he goes out tonight and plays the way he can play it should be a tight match i'm not going to call him as the winner just because i think Sitsipas 
figures out Felix's game at the moment. So it it might be a tight two set, maybe even a tight three set battle, but I definitely am all here for the rivalry because I like both of them. I don't really like what Sissy Poss just said in the media about um, the COVID-19 vaccine. That was very, very, very... Ooh, I don't, I don't want to call him dumb, but that was less than smart. He basically said that because of his age and because of he because he's a top-level athlete, that if he gets the virus, it's going to be good for him, and he doesn't need the vaccine because his immune system is so strong, he can be able to fight it. And it's like, maybe those comments would have been digestible in May, or April of 2020. We are in August of 2021. This pandemic, this global pandemic, it's not like it's only affecting Americans. And I know he's, I know he's uh, Greek, and there may be different cultural um, mindsets ab- ab- around health and viruses and stuff like that. But at this point in the game, that wasn't something that you needed to say, especially when you have a platform like he easily has a million plus followers on Instagram and he's becoming a name synonymous with men's tennis. And to say that just it just it just doesn't make sense. And he's been in several tournaments where or at least been adjacent to several tournaments where they're literally offering the vaccine. And I just don't understand the pushback at this point on the vaccine, not to like go down the rabbit hole of COVID-19 and all the politics of it, because that's not, I'm not like the, the spokesperson, nor I'm not a scientist or a doctor. I don't hold hold a PhD in anything related to um, viral pandemic activity. However, I just know what he said was less than smart because your age has little to do with you being able to, fight off the virus nor nor does you being a pro level athlete mean that if the virus enters your body and you get infected by it that all of a sudden you're just going to have this super immune system to fight it off and it's not just about you it's about making sure we all and most of us i mean because you know tragically lives have been lost already but we're trying to get past this. Like, we're never going to live in a life where COVID-19 is non-existent, but we can live in a world where we have better control over it, and that's what we're trying to do. And comments like that are not leading us in the right direction of having control over it. It just puts more doubt in people's minds, unfortunately, and he holds too big of a platform to do that, in my opinion. I know he's young. Uh, He's, like, 23, 24, so, like, you know, give him a slight... I don't want to say pass, but take that into consideration how young he is. But nah, that's not really how you want to you want to use your platform and tell everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Don't take the virus. If you're if you're strong and healthy and young, if the virus gets in your system, it'll pass through you. That's not that's a very overarching generalized statement. That's not true for a lot of people. And just in general, go get vaccinated. They're literally incentivizing it. Is that the right word? Incentivizing? We're going to roll with it. Um, The vaccine is free, and they're giving you incentives to go take it, at least here in America. So go take it. I feel like more people than not are vaccinated or have plans on getting vaccinated. So we're getting there. But, again, comments like that aren't helping. So um, back to tennis in Cincinnati. Andre Rublev just got through to the semifinals, and he is going to face the winner of Medvedev and Pablo Karina Busta, like I mentioned earlier. And then the match I was talking about with Stefano Tsitsipas, that quarterfinal, Felix Auger-Lassim versus Stefano Tsitsipas, takes place tonight. And the winner of that takes on the winner of Casper Ruud versus Sasha, a.k.a. Alexander Zverev. And that matchup is interesting because it's their first time, it's their very first time meeting in the ATP level and I didn't for some reason that kind of went over my head a little bit I didn't know that they hadn't played again they're in the same age range they're in the discussion as like next-gen superstars Zverev is kind of already there because he's won four Masters titles but Casper Ruud hey tennis brother how are you thanks for coming on thanks I appreciate it. I'm just reading some comments here guys yeah, that was very unintelligent of Stefano Sissipas to to get out there and say that, especially in in like a big press conference and stuff like that. That wasn't very smart. Um, 
where was I? Oh, yeah, Casper Ruud. Casper Ruud has won most of the tournaments he's played in the past month or two. He went on a three-tournament winning streak, not just match. <laughs> Tournament winning streak, he won Bastad, Gustad, um, and... Kitzbühel, the clay swing right after Wimbledon, that is always a head-scratcher. But shout-out to him for kind of putting his head down and winning those matches and, and, you know, gaining confidence because he's obviously very comfortable on clay. However, hard courts have not been where his best results have come, but he's making steps in the right direction because he got to the quarterfinals in Toronto just last week. That's a Masters 1000 event and now he's in the quarterfinals again of another Masters 1000 event in Cincinnati playing Zverev for the first time and Zverev is definitely in form himself. He just got the gold medal in Tokyo, probably the shining moment of his career thus far. So I'm interested to see how their dynamic matches up. That could be a potential rivalry starting now in Cincinnati. So, I mean, I like both of their games. I like Casper Ruud as a person and his game. He seems like a really, really good, good guy to root for. Can't say all of those things for Zverev. However, um, Zverev is a good tennis player. If you take away all the off-court stuff and the stuff that is very cringe to read about with him, and if you know what I'm talking about, then you know what I'm talking about. I don't want to go into it too deep on this little um, session, but his tennis is good. When he's playing well, He's playing well. I see Stacy just asked another question. I'm enjoying Tay Tay on on Tennis Channel. Taylor Townsend. Yes, I really really enjoy her. I was just talking about, and it's not random, Stacy. Don't worry. We we like random around here. Um, I was just telling somebody how nice it is to see her, um, kind of just back in the swing of things and in, in the swing of tennis. Maybe she's not playing, obviously, because she's on maternity leave after just giving baby, uh, birth to her baby boy. Excuse me. So that's wonderful. I'm, I'm glad that she has that blessing. But she's very good at commentating and, like, the broadcasting thing. Sometimes it doesn't always curl over that a player is good in front of the camera. But she seems to be um, doing very good at it, in my opinion. Like, I am... And I'm interested in what she's saying when they give her the floor to kind of give her opinions. Her opinions are insightful and fun and she's energetic and she talks about like her personal relationships to a certain point with the players that she's speaking of. So it's all good and she looks good doing it. I mean, if I'm being fair, I don't think she fits the tennis channel aesthetic that I'm using air quotes here for those of you listening on the podcast that can't see me. Um, she doesn't fit the aesthetic, but she's good at what she does. And hopefully she's carving out a lane for herself when she's done playing tennis. And I really want to see her come back to the tour as a double specialist. I know that might be a little controversial because her singles results, they were good on a junior level, but, you know, they've been so-so on the professional level. She's a darn good player and absolutely gifted, but I think if she wants to make the most impact on the tennis tour with her amazing gifts, she should definitely be on the double circuit racking up grand slams and big titles because the, the talent is there and she just got to the semifinals of the u.s open in 2020 while she was pregnant with her baby boy so you know shout out to taylor townsend for doing her thing and doing it well so i hope she comes back to the tour and does great things for sure okay i think we've covered the men in cincinnati if you're listening to this um Shout out who you think is going to win the tournament in Cincinnati because we know Rublev's in the semifinals and we're waiting to see who's going to join him between Casper Ruud, Zverev, Felix Argyaliasim, Tsitsipas, Pablo Carina Busta, and Medvedev, whose match is up next on Tennis Channel on center court in Cincinnati. So let's talk about the women before we get out of here really quickly because I didn't want to make this too long. I just wanted to check in with you guys, tell you guys I was going to the U.S. Open. Oh! And encourage you guys to send in your 
emails to missingpointpod at gmail.com. I'm going to be producing a Q&A episode in September to celebrate the one-year anniversary of Missing the Point with Miles David. The anniversary date is August 31st, 2020. That's when the first episode went live. So in September, we're going to be doing a two-part special episode of Q&A where I can answer you guys' burning questions um, on the podcast. So send it into the email. The email is in the podcast um excuse me the email is in the podcast description on any of the podcast platforms you listen and the email is also in my instagram bio so it's easy for you guys to find and shoot me a question that you'd like to see answered on the show so on the women's side ash barty versus krychikova kicked things off in the quarterfinals ash barty got a straight sets win over the roland garros champion that was a nice matchup roland garros champion versus wimbledon champion this year both have had really really incredible seasons barty's into the semis and she looks good she didn't look great in the tokyo but i think that was basically like um like leftover Wimbledon letdown, if that makes any sense. Sometimes when you win a big title, the the very next tournament or match afterward, it's hard to kind of get back up. But she didn't have a terrible Olympic experience. She walked away with a bronze medal in mixed doubles. So I was watching um, her post-match interview with Prakash Armitage, who Prakash does a really, really good job on Tennis Channel. So if anybody knows Prakash or is listening to this, tell tell him that I said he does amazing. He does a really really good job on Tennis Channel at the live um, the live TC desk. But Barty looks good. <laughs> I have to say that she may not be everybody's cup of cup of tea. Some people even forget that she's the world number one, but she is, and she's won a lot of titles and a lot of matches this season. And she, I would not be surprised if she does the Wimbledon U.S. Open double, which I don't think has been done by a woman in the WTA since 2012 when Serena did it. I think it's been. Yeah, that's almost 10 years. So she's about as prime as anyone has been that's won Wimbledon in the past 10 years to do the Wimbledon and U.S. Open double. So, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily put money on it because the women's field is so wide open, but she could do it. She could easily do it. She likes the hard courts. She hasn't had an amazing run at the U.S. Open yet, but this could be the year that she changes that. I think her best her best run has been to a fourth round. So we'll see what happens with Ash Barty and Krajcikova, too, because she's playing amazing tennis all around. Krajcikova was a gold medalist in doubles at the Olympic Games, so she could be a factor at the U.S. Open as well. So we talked about Kvitova and Kerber a little bit. Kerber, although she's not my favorite player, I give her like a soft... I give her soft love for being a lefty. That's about it. <laughs> and she likes this time of the year, too. She's a former U.S. Open champion and a former finalist at Cincinnati. She got to the finals in 2016. You know, former world number one as well. So eyes on her. She could potentially come out of nowhere again and go on a deep run at the U.S. Open. So the remaining two quarterfinals that have to be played today on the women's side are between Karolina Pliskova of the Czech Republic and Paula Badosa of Spain. Now, Pliskova is basically having sort of a mid-season resurgence because the beginning of her season did not start well. Even when she brought on Sasha Bain, the famous pass-around coach. <laughs> Sorry, Sasha. That's but you are. Um, she brought him on to kind of revamp her game, but it didn't really yield good dividends at the beginning of the season. She kept losing to players ranked well below her, and she was losing a lot to Jessica Pagula. <laughs> but she turned that around a little bit at Wimbledon. She got to the final, and she got to the final last week in Montreal, losing to Camilla Georgie, who was just on a complete tear. Um, so she's having a midseason resurgence. It's kind of nice to see her back into the mix. Still don't know if I trust her to bring home a Grand Slam trophy anytime soon she seems like the type of player to shrink a little bit in moments not like like not like completely go into a shell but she definitely doesn't play her boldest tennis when it's time to play the bold tennis that she can play hey jay how are you um, and then her opponent in the quarterfinals is Paula Badosa. And every time I say her name, I just call her a baller. She is having her breakthrough season. Like, 
people have kind of been looking at her on like the lower tier to do something and she never really really did it until this year and she's broke through in a major way she made the semifinals earlier this season at the Masters 1000 in Madrid she made the quarterfinals in Roland Garros and played an amazing quarterfinal I remember watching that match and being just completely I don't know if blown away is the right phrase for Bedosa, but it kind of it kind of sounds right, like blown away with Bedosa. <laughs> but she plays big tennis, and she just upset the number three seed in Cincinnati in Arena Sabalenka. So Bedosa's playing good tennis. She also beat Rabakina to get to the quarterfinals, so I'm interested to see how that Bedosa versus Pliskova match is going to play out. One of them could easily be in the semifinals. Well, one of them will be in the semifinals. One of them could easily be in the finals because they play the winner of Belinda Bencic versus Jill Teichman and petty moment even though I'm blocked on Twitter by Belinda Bencic I do have to be fair and say that she's playing good tennis coming off of a gold medal in singles in Tokyo and a silver medal in doubles like gotta be fair she's playing some good tennis she looks to be enjoying herself on the court not my favorite player that's probably why I'm blocked. <laughs> she said some things in the press about Naomi Osaka and defending Alexander Zverev when it really wasn't the most appropriate thing to do. So I don't think that she liked that I even talked about that. So she found my page and blocked me. It happens. But at least now I can say I'm blocked by Olympic gold medalists. So I guess we're getting somewhere as a podcast. I don't know. <laughs> they say all press is good press. I don't believe that all the way, but... I'll take it in this in this case. It's okay. It's okay, Belinda Benches. Maybe we'll we'll make up. We'll make up. Um, she plays Jill Teichman in the quarterfinals later on this evening, and Jill Teichman just came off of pretty much the win of her career so far. She's a lefty from Switzerland that is based in Spain and basically plays like a Spaniard, but waves the Switzerland flag. <laughs> um, and she beat Osaka in three sets in the round prior to uh, the quarterfinals. And I didn't see that coming, honestly, just because Jill Teichman started off the season pretty good. She had a pretty good Australian Open swing, and she played good in Dubai, like in the Middle Eastern swing. And then after that, she really wasn't putting together multiple match wins in a row. So on paper, it didn't look like Osaka had much to be worried about. But... Jill played some good lefty tennis and she's very scrappy. I will I like when I watch her play, she doesn't give up on a single point. She's like in it. She battles past her nerves well, which was pretty evident in that match if you watched it. And she got herself a good victory. Like as an Osaka fan that I am, I still feel like Osaka is she's trying. She's trying to find a uh, a balance between her fame and her craft and I think it's I, I think she's struggling with that but I mean everybody has struggles and we have to keep in mind that she is a 23 year old woman who was burst into the spotlight four years ago and some some people might be like you know that's more than enough time to adjust but everybody's different and when she came onto the scene she was very transparent about the fact that she is shy and doesn't really enjoy speaking to large crowds and is more of an introverted person and if you ever watched her documentary you can see that those things i personally have empathy for her everybody doesn't have that because people a lot of times people on on the internet and trolls are just like well you knew what you were doing when you signed up to be a professional tennis player I think that kind of that rhetoric is really whack and not empathetic to the human that she is, um, because at the, end of the, at the end of the day, that's what she is. And it just seems like she is a human going through a transition of dealing with the level of her fame. Like she literally lit the torch at the Olympic Games, which is something that only retired athletes do or like uh, people that are huge in the athletic community that are not actively playing she did that as a professional athlete at 23 years of age that's a huge moment for her and that just goes to show that's a microcosm of how big her star is and i see linnell saying in the comments people hate on her simply because she beat serena at the u.s open yes 
I know as a Serena fan, first and foremost, before I even knew who Naomi Osaka was, I was a Serena Williams fan. In that moment, at the 2018 U.S. Open, I wanted Serena to win. But looking across the court, I wasn't upset that Naomi Osaka beat her. And now that time has passed, Naomi Osaka played better. Of course, were there things and in situations in that match that made it a difficult pill to swallow? Yes, we won't get into all of those things, but people are still harboring onto that as if she is somehow the cause of what happened in that match, and all she did was play good tennis. And she's been very, very, very respectful, if not revering of Serena every step of her career. So for people to just not like her because she beat Serena, it doesn't really curl all the way over for me. Like she said multiple times, Serena is the reason that she knows and plays tennis. And she's she's an icon for her. She always says that about Serena. So why not be on the same page as her instead of hate her? I just, I don't, I don't get the people that look like Naomi Osaka, if you catch my drift, being some of the loudest people that hate her. I don't, I don't, I don't get that. If, if you're going to hate her, be one of those trolls that are super unempathetic of where she is in her life and have racist undertones and all of that stuff. And I've talked to, Hey, Faison, your, your Faison, your timing is good. Cause we were talking about Naomi Osaka, but, um, and Faison has been on the podcast before, and we've talked directly about this, about Naomi Osaka. If you haven't checked out that episode, go back and listen to it because it was a really good one, and we talked more about this. But, yeah, I don't get the Osaka hate. I don't get why people seem like they are out to get her for some reason. And she's, she's as far as a victim goes, she is an easy one. And it's not, it, it's just very, it, it just seems like everybody's out to bully her. Even the people in media are out to bully her, especially when she did what was something well within her right to say that she doesn't want to do press conferences. She was bullied and put in a corner to do them. And I don't understand that mindset either because a lot of the same people that are upset at her for not doing press conferences are some of the same people that want athletes to just shut up and play that's what she's doing and that's what she's trying to do is just shut up and play and, and make her career about the tennis and not about the publicity after the fact or after the match and all that stuff and yet you still have a problem so it seems like to me the people that have a problem with her we're going to have a problem with her either way so she should just be doing what feels natural to her and what makes her happy and that's that's what I feel like about Osaka I'm not a part of the tribe that just hates her because she has some wins over Serena Williams Serena Williams has beaten her too if you really, if you really look at the dynamics of it so they play tennis it was it was bound to happen as long as Serena Williams was an athlete that Osaka was playing in the same sport they both chose as a profession. The The possibility of them playing each other was always going to be there as as both of them are professional tennis players. So I'm not one of the Serena fans holding on to the fact that Osaka beat Serena at the U.S. Open. She beat her, and she played better than Serena on that day. Yes, there were some things that happened in that match that probably shouldn't have, but we shouldn't be holding that against Osaka. Let the other people, and by other people, you know what I'm talking about. Let the other people do that. Like, let the people that don't like her because of her skin color do that. The people that look like her should be doing her their best to, to uplift her and support her during a clear moment where she is struggling. That's, that's how I feel. So, um... And we'll see. We'll see how she handles all of this in in the U.S. Open. Her, I, um, excuse me again. Grand Slam Tennis Today or GS Tennis Today. If you look them up on YouTube and Instagram. Excuse me again, guys. Sorry, it's the coffee. Um, they made an interesting cor correlation between her 2019 season and her current 2021 season because she won the Australian Open in 2019 as well, and then the rest of her season kind of curtailed, and now the same thing is happening in 2021. She won the 2021 Australian Open, and the rest of her season is kind of taking a dip. She didn't have a very successful Roland Garros. She pulled out, pulled out of Wimbledon, and now she has had an early exit in Cincinnati. She did look fairly comfortable 
Campbell against Coco Golf in their match in Cincinnati. But again, I still feel like she's not 100% there yet because of all the off-court stuff surrounding her name um, and swirling around. So when, once she finds and gets to a place of like, I don't care what y'all got to say. Y'all going to say what y'all say regardless and gets more of that... Um, girl F you mentality which I, I don't know if that's her persona but I think having a, a dabble of that would help her in the current situation she's in and be like bump those reporters because the reporters in those press conferences are there to see her so she holds more power in that situation than she thinks she does and when she realizes that she's going to be fine she's going to be fine and she can, she's going to be able to be like I don't have the range today to answer that question. Next question. Who's, you can be mad at that all you want, but next question. You're here to see me because I'm the professional athlete and you need a story for me. So if you're asking me a question I don't feel comfortable asking or answering, boom. That's it. You respect that boundary if you're a good journalist and you move on. If you're a bad journalist and you want to go tit for tat with her, then you're going to show your cards. She's not going to she's not going to be the person that loses much steam from that. So that's that. So I think I am going to wrap up this Instagram live session again. If you guys are just joining, I was just coming on to give you guys some of my thoughts about where Cincinnati was in the quarterfinal stage right now and just some updates about some really good tennis happening. I, I love this time of the season. I feel like some of the best tennis of the year is uh, is happening around the beginning of the U.S. Open. I'm excited to go to the U.S. Open this year. I'll be there for the opening nights and the next day, and then I'll be out of New York because <laughs> I don't want to stay there too long. Me and New York are cool, but we're not that cool yet. Eventually, we'll get there. <laughs> um, and yes, Linnell, I talked earlier about Nadal out of the U.S. Open, Federer out of the U.S. Open, and Dominic Team out of the U.S. Open as well. So those are some points I hit on, and yeah. Uh, make sure to tell you guys as friends if you are enjoying the interaction tell them about the podcast I really would appreciate it one of the best ways to have a podcast grow even in 2021 believe it or not is word of mouth so tell your friends about the podcast tell your friends about the Instagram page the Twitter page it's all at missing point pod and I hope you guys have a wonderful Friday I will see you guys soon and we'll do this Instagram live thing again because it's always fun to see you guys' comments in real time and talk to you about current things as they're happening. So you guys take care and I will talk to you next time. And I'll save this. So if you want to share it with somebody else who you think would enjoy the conversation, then I'd appreciate it. <laughs> All right, guys, talk to you later. Bye.